been looking forward to this moment for a very long time. Man, bring it on. I'm ready. You are blasting off with Orville Land, our weekly look at the TV show The Orville. This is the podcast that's powered exclusively by the Billy Joel Greatest Hits CD. We're joined, as always, by Lieutenant Shelley Peacock. How are you doing, Shell? Hello, very well, thank you. And also joining us is regular panel member, Ensign Sip Sharma. Oh, you remember the Ensign this time. I did. Yeah. Hi. Now, guys, I'm excited to again be talking about The Orville. The way this podcast works, there could be spoilers. In fact, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the season two, episode four installment of The Orville, Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes, then you should probably watch that episode first because we are going to talk about that at length with all sorts of spoilers happening. Thank you for being so cool about this. Now, people, if you want to watch The Orville, there's two ways we recommend doing it. Sid, first of all, it's on broadcast TV. It is on broadcast TV. How do people do that? Well, you can go on SBS Viceland on Friday nights, watch it at 9 p.m. But, like, how do you actually do that? Is there, like, an antenna involved? Oh, well, you know, you got a remote. Uh, you need to howl three times at the moon. <laughs> okay. Make it work. Well, you, it's, about, it's about sort of MacGyvering and making it happen. Excellent. Does sound nice. Well, I'll try that at home because I don't have an antenna, but I think the howling might really pay off. I am an idiot. For once, we agree. But for people like myself, whom neither have antennas nor the willingness to howl, Surely there's a way you could stream it online anytime, Shelley. Yes, there is. And I ask you, as you are wearing an SBS On Demand shirt right now. I am. <laughs> and you're a marketing professional for the very branded show that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan, obviously. Mm. But grab your device of any sort and uh, download that sweet SBS On Demand app and you can stream anytime. New episodes dropping each week. Yeah, I'm impressed you got the spill down. Yeah, finally. In no way do you sound like you got the spill down. No. <laughs> But no, you can also sorry, do it through listeners. the web as well. There's a website address. There is. It's uh, www.sbs.com.au forward slash on demand. Wow, that's a lot of W's. It is. <laughs> anyway, while I try to process that, in <laughs> fact, let's all just sit down, take a deep breath while Shelley tells us what happened on this week's episode of The Orville. Mm. Captain Ed Mercer finds himself behind enemy lines and must work with an unlikely partner to survive. You offered kindness all the while preparing to murder my entire crew. Meanwhile, back on the Orville, Kelly questions why Gordon wants to take the command test. Are you doing this to pick up chicks? What? Shall we speculate who the unlikely partner is? I think it's Lieutenant Janelle Tyler, who we find out is actually Talea, the Krill Whoa. from season one. Mm-hmm. That is quite the plot twist. Mm. It was. Took me by surprise. Now, I don't think any of us were really expecting it. Even though before that had happened, uh, I was discussing the character named Tyler and its connection with Star Trek Discovery, and I'm wondering if there is a connection with that. And quite obviously, I feel that there has to be because the similarities between the two characters is very striking. Uh, So in Star Trek Discovery, you've got this character named Ash Tyler, of whom was revealed to not be the hunky young gentleman that he is, but rather he was a Klingon in disguise. I think the Klingon's name was Vok, V-O-Q. Sid? Sorry, sorry, (laughs) I was was just thinking. Sorry, do I need to translate from the original Klingon for this? No, 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 you don't. Please don't start with Klingon. Please do. But wait, was was he actually Vok or was he just terribly, terribly tortured and like a sleeper agent? I believe, well, he was a sleeper agent. He well, was a sleeper I, agent. I believe he was like a genetically manipulated ah, Klingon, right. but also right. had some sort of genetics highs to a real world. I don't remember. It was a while ago. Yeah, and I wasn't that show. invested. I mean, very similar though. Yeah, you're right. Well, the, yeah. the, and both the character's name is Tyler. Yeah, Tyler, Talea, 
Ash Tyler. Yeah. Interesting. Multiverse. Mm. Yeah. It, it, Big it Sergeant, is. Sergeant York. Exactly. Um, yeah, it is actually quite similar to that whole kind of um, Star Trek Discovery storyline because mm. I guess the Krill are basically Klingons in this universe. Mm. It's the same kind of thing. But um, I dispute that no one saw it coming. I kind of saw it coming. Yeah, wait, you know what? When they were in the shuttle together going off to their vacation hotspot and they were intercepted by Krill, uh, she wasn't really reacting the way you'd yeah, think she, she would. way too calm about being shot at by random space yeah. marauders. She didn't seem too fussed. Look, I always look on the positive side of people. I'd hate to think that someone's going to betray someone else. Mm, that's really lovely, Dan. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I just think better of my fellow man Aww. and Krill. <laughs> yeah. So there was a moment of this that I really liked and it had Thrill as the main character in this scene. Because, yes. frankly, it's got Thrill on, all on board for that. Thrill? Thrill, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> Cassius. 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 Thrill? Thrill? Thrill. Thoral. 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 Uh, he comes back from a jog in a simulator and he's very sweaty and then Ed's like, no, no, stick around in your sweats. It's fine. You're on the night shift. You know, you're not going to bother anyone. But here's the questions that I have. First of all, he's on the night shift. Surely during the night, it's just as heavily a staffed bridge as other times during the day. Mm. Also, is there night in space? Well, and this is the other thing as well. Like, how do you really determine what's night and day? Yeah, I guess there'd be a ship's clock, but what what kind of solid time frame they're sticking to is not really explained. But without being pedantic about the idea of night and day crew and whatnot, I kind of like the idea that when they are looking for fitness, instead of just being on, you know, some sort of exercise bike or, you know, on a step size sort of thing, uh, they go for a jog in a simulator. Mm. Well, it must have a travelator style floor then which I never saw in any other previous episodes. But, yeah, that is kind of nice. I guess you'd need that illusion of space when you're on a ship, though, because mm. one of the things that astronauts do have to deal with is cabin fever. Ooh. Well, I think it's probably a little bit like with town planners where you need to make sure you've got a certain amount of parks and green space for people to you know, be able to frolic in. To be recreational in, I exactly. guess say. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, frankly, a simulator is just good town planning. Yeah. Well, look, yes, it, it was kind of strange that Ed just kind of let him hang out in his sweats on the bridge mm. because, yeah, it would presumably be a fully staffed bridge, but also it's still the military. Now, yeah. here's the other thing as well. Uh, before we started this podcast, I advised Shelley particularly, of whom like just sort of licking things randomly, um, <laughs> to be careful when you're around like radio station microphones yeah. because, you know, people breathe into it all the time. Mm, and yucky. basically the grossest thing in the world is actually in a radio station with a sock that goes over a microphone. Oh, now I'm really scared of it. So many people, so many faces, so many breaths. Oh, Dan, please. On that sock that you're... Dan, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Horrifying. also thinking if you're on the bridge of some sort of intergalactic starship, like, if you're sweating into that chair, oh. like, other people have to sit in that chair God. as well. Yeah. And but maybe science has found a way. Mm. Well, maybe it's perfectly temperature regulated so that no one sweats on the bridge. But he's coming with sweat. Oh, that's true. He was a big, disgusting, sweaty mess. <laughs> he was, with his esophagus glistening with, <laughs> with the dewy drops of his sweat. And it is nice to know that in the future, because the Orville is a workplace comedy, that even in the future, you're going to have fellow colleagues who decide to come to work straight after going to the gym and still walk around in their gym shorts. Yeah. 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 And by that, I'm referring to SBS Vice Land Channel Manager John Bohm. Oh. oh, yeah. Well, look, I, I didn't think you were going to call him out directly. <laughs> I'm sure he's flattered, Dan. Oh. Righteous. Mellow alert. <laughs> Something I thought was a little bit interesting is the inclusion of the king and I. 
which is obviously very much Seth MacFarlane going through the things that he's interested in life and just <laughs> reflecting that on the screen. Yeah, you're Brenna. So it's revealed in this episode that Lieutenant Janelle Tyler and Ed are kind of an item and what they like to do in their free time is steal their way into Ed's apartment and watch old Yul Brenner movies? Mm. Well, just old movies generally. Uh, I guess, the classics. Yeah, he refers to the fact that Ed's parents thought it was important he's exposed to the classics. Mm. And the classics are very much films that were made before our contemporary time. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for him, because he's in the future, like the classics could involve anything from the most recent Avengers movie to Avatar. Mm. Yeah. To yeah. the other Avatar, the last Airbender movie. The Room. Yeah. Yes. Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Yep, yeah, very good. Yeah, truly a classic. <laughs> you are lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Yeah, well, I guess they're watching Yul Brenner movies, The King and I in particular, which at this point it's not explained, but it comes into it later on, is all about sort of like trust and uh, geopolitics. It's actually mm, quite a deep, yeah. a deep kind of story. Mm. And also the episode title, Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes, is apparently from The King and I. Yeah, it's a song. It yeah. Yul Brenner, who plays the King of Siam, which is what a part of Thailand used to be called back in the day. And mind you, this is weird because it is Yul Brenner, a Russian-American-Swiss actor, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made up to like look like Asian almost. Kind yeah. of like Sean Connery in the Bond movies and that mm. kind of thing. Did you say he shaved his head? He wasn't actually bald? No, he wasn't actually bald. He shaved wow. his head after playing the king. Mind you, he played the king on Broadway from the 50s through to the 80s. Mm. But it was he, a good gig. Yeah, it was a good gig. But like, if you look at him in, in pictures before 1950 when that stage play musical began, he's actually got hair and it's really weird to see. Wow. Yeah, but he kind of made it his trademark and ran with it from then on. Good on you, Yule. But, um, yeah, Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes is a lyric from a song that the king sings in that film called A Puzzlement, where he kind of laments and uh, just kind of tries to come to terms with how confusing it is to live in a political world. There'll be nothing left on earth excepting fishes. Mm. Was he a bit isolated before... Anna? Is it Anna arrived yeah. to the kingdom? Yeah. 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 Look, we probably shouldn't be analysing The King and I at this point. It's not the a King, King and I Land. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good film. Yeah. Problematic, but... Yeah. Uh, speaking of problematic, the character of Tyler, if that's her real name, uh, she referred to the Taxi Driver as one of the best films that they'd watched together. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Though uh, later she did say her all-time favourite was The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. But yeah. she sympathised with the Nazis, not well, Indiana yeah, far Jones. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she found Belloc to be very sympathetic. Mm, That's right. Interesting. <laughs> Belloc. Good afternoon, Dr Jones. I ought to kill you right now. There was a very nice moment where Ed's talking to Kelly and Kelly reveals that she knew that Ed was dating Janelle all along because of the way that he used to look at her when she came onto the bridge. Yeah, well, I guess... They do say that honesty is, you know, one of the central tenets of being commander, but also Ed is, he kind of gives stuff away. He's got one of them faces. Mm. And someone who gave away things really quite easily was Gordon, who it was very obvious what he was interested in when he announced that he wanted to take the shipmaster qualification test. <laughs> and he was using it as a way that, and I believe to quote Kelly, just to pick up some chicks. Mm. Do you think maybe he was feeling a bit depressed after Ed ended up with his crush. Yeah, I think that was very much it. Yeah. Maybe, but at the same time, he kind of dodged a bullet there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't know, would a, would a captain's epaulets kind of make you more attractive? Maybe. Well, it did. There was the lady of whom, as soon as he said he was going for the test, like she was immediately much more interested in him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm. 
Yes, even the suggestion that even you know, suggestion. heading towards that way professionally is enough. Why wait? I mean, feel like having a drink later with a future captain? Yeah, why not? Now, we were exposed to a third alien race in this, so not only did we see the crew, of whom were a group of characters from the first season. Does anyone know which episode title it was? It, I think it was actually called Krill. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like maybe episode five or yeah, six of the pretty, first season. Uh, around yeah. the middle, yeah. Early yeah. in the middle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so this is an episode where both Gordon and Ed went to the Krill ship and they were undercover with a hologram-type thing that disguised them as though they were Krill. And so they were wandering around across the ship and learned about their religion and at the very end of it, they end up killing everyone on board except for a group of kids from the class that mm. operate. And she was the teacher? Yes. Yeah, she was taking that class. Yeah, and so her life was spared, but she did vow revenge, mm. and that's what we're seeing in this episode. Well, she was pretty annoyed that her brother, also one of the ship's company, was killed. Yeah, mm. by the Orville at the start of that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, she probably has a right to be a little peeved. Bit of a chip on her shoulder. Mm. Yeah. And to be a company man, just reminding people if they want to go back and rewatch that episode, they can do it now, anytime at SBS On Demand. That is correct. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, we do have the introduction of what seems to be a new alien species that we didn't know. So this is, and did they give names for them? I think it was maybe the Shock Tool. Yeah, the Shock Tool. Shock Tile? Yeah. Yeah. And they're a little bit like the Reavers from the show Firefly. Yeah, in that they take no prisoners and they're just kind of fanatically crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they looked a lot to me like the creatures from the movie The Fifth Element. They did. They're yeah, real fish-like. To me, they looked like kind of like Nosferatu mixed with monkeys. Mm. <laughs> that was the vibe <laughs> I got from them. It's a good look. Yeah. yeah. Scary either way. Mm. Oh, incredibly but, uh, scary. Apparently they've got some vendetta against the krill. Krill had attacked them, so... They're out for vengeance. They're the Krill's Krill, if you, if you Exactly, will. yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Krill will know how to hold a grudge. So we were saying earlier this is the continuation from the Krill episode. But, like, she's got a fairly convoluted plan here to make sure she can ensnare Ed. Yeah, well, I guess if you want to ensnare someone, you basically change your physiology so that you resemble their species and then you spend, like... I've been there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you spend a few months on their starship, having somehow enlisted in the Union Navy, mm -hmm. and then you make them fall in love with you and watch classics for a while. Multiple movies, yeah. Multiple movies. Mm -hmm. You probably also need to know a fair bit about cartography to get away with it. Mm -hmm. I guess. She is a dark matter cartographer. And then um, eventually you wait for them to decide that you should go on holiday together, and then that's when you get them. <laughs> that's when you strike. Exactly. God, so, so it's too perfect. Oh, too perfect. But, yeah, they get picked up by the krill while they're on their way to one of the best holiday spots in the universe, and uh, that's when the shock tile arrive. Mm, and shoot them down in yeah. turn, yeah. So if the shock tile are the cruel to the cruel against the humans, like imagine what the shock tile might be up to and the elaborate ruses they'd come up with. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Layers. Layers. <laughs> My God, who makes these things? Okay, try this. Something I really enjoyed about this episode is it reminded me a lot of the original series Star Trek shows from the 60s with the great William Shatner as Captain Kirk. And so many of those episodes was about Captain Kirk falling in love with a woman from an alien species. And here it's very much, you know, we've got the thing where you've got the lovelorn Captain Ed Mercer of whom's just not dealing with the fact that the woman he loved turned out to be something other. No, yeah. Yeah. And kind of rewatching that first episode, I could I could sense something there as well between yeah. them. You know, when there was a bit of sexual tension yes. between the man and the prosthetically covered. She's a good looking krill. <laughs> that crew was a babe. Oh, yeah. Smoking hot, 
dark matter yeah. cartographer Joe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Well, at the end of the episode, he does let her know that she can, you know, anytime she wants, get in contact because she knows where he is, which just to me sounds like a bad idea. Mm. And I guess there were multiple opportunities where she could have killed Ed while they were behind yeah. enemy lines, but she refrained. She didn't do it. And See, I was thinking that? about this, and, like, while she certainly did deceive the captain, like, did she really break any laws? Well, she impersonated a Union Navy officer. But does that officer actually exist? She also technically kidnapped him. No, wait, Dan. Uh, yes, Shelley. <laughs> Shelley, you're very correct. <laughs> but also, Dan, you don't have... Someone doesn't have to exist for you to impersonate them. It's like saying if you impersonate a police officer, you can just impersonate a member of the police. I suppose that's true. Mm, you, don't have to, you don't have to just cop. pick one person and impersonate them. Did she explicitly say, though, that she was, like, maybe she's got, like, a sense of fashion. It's very similar to well, what's going on. She also had a rank and the uniform. Mm. So. <laughs> but maybe her uniform is just similar to... Maybe they just synthesised it. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just not entirely sure she did anything that was particularly that wrong. Either way, Shelley, you're right. She also did kidnap the captain of <laughs> the Union And threatened on numerous occasions. Had so. a gun at him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a few things. And do we know that in the future laws operate in the same way? Like maybe he'd have to press charges for it to actually be a proper kidnapping. Well, I feel like it's two different state actors, so it'd be an act of war. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, they are at war with the Krill, so. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. <laughs> There's a really great moment in the episode where you've got Ed Mercer explaining the idea of xenophobia. And he really sort of frames it where he's talking about that idea of, I guess, from really first contact where you've got humans of whom are discovering that they're not alone in the world for the first time. And you can react one of two ways. Either, as Ed says, they embrace and adapt to the fact that they're no longer the center of the universe, or they ratchet up their xenophobia. Now, really good sci-fi, I think, uses the various storylines it has to really say something poignant about the human condition, what it is that actually means for us to be people and how we engage with others. And I really thought this really spoke quite nicely to the idea of what the Orville can do and say in the same way that Star Trek operates. Yeah, look, I, f I felt the same way, even though I did feel that the, the episode did treat some of those issues a little simplistically and almost naively, because you can't just trust the krill if they're trying to kill you all the time. I did think that there is a, a certain element of humanity that was displayed in, in the way that they kind of try and deal with stuff. And also, on the flip side, the way that sometimes people kind of justify their crappy treatment of other people by saying that they're subhuman or whatever, that, that kind of racial thing kind of played in really mm. well. I don't know. I'm just really interested by the whole Krill storyline because obviously there's a lot of parallels to religion and, you know, wars and whatever. And, and car rental companies. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm really keen to see where the Krill go from here. Well, one of the things is they said that their god Avis made the universe for the Krill and everything in that universe is for them to either eradicate or use to their purposes, which is sort of like how people treat this planet sometimes, mm. you know? Yep. But, yeah, I, like there was some a few different levels to that kind of allegory that were playing out in this episode. And I think the Krill are actually quite human in that way. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice thing. You get surprised by the Orville with that kind of stuff every now and then. What I find fascinating about the Krill is that when they take their ship out, when they return it, they actually have to get out the bit of paper and they go through all the scratches and <laughs> any other damage the ship may have had. Yeah, they've, they've, they've got hefty deposits that they need to make. Each week on the show, we like to delve a little further into the ideas that are developed within the program. Now, Sid, this week... I think there's only really one thing we can talk about here. 
Well, Dan, have you ever been catfished by an alien? Uh, not by an alien, maybe by certain people in this room. Shelly Peacock. Sorry. I knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe Shelly's an alien. But either way, I thought this week we could talk about the perils of... Uh, Catfishing, online dating, <laughs> all kinds of that kind of weird mm-hmm. stuff. Soft puppets, apparently, which is what you call a social media profile that's made up. Sure. So we should probably talk about catfishing because I think broadly people know what it is. But if you're not really that familiar with exactly what being catfished is. Well, it, it's basically when you try and fabricate a romantic engagement with someone by deceiving them into thinking you're someone that you're not. Now, the term was popularized. There was a documentary called Catfish and then a subsequent MTV yeah. reality show based on it. Yeah, there was. And I guess it's because, I mean, I'm not sure about the etymology of the word, but maybe it's because like the way some people fish for catfish, you basically have to stick your hand down this Mm -hmm. weird muddy catfish hole and then it kind of grabs onto your hand and you pull it out. Oh, that too. But I watched the end of that documentary this afternoon (laughs) (laughs) and it was this guy on a veranda in the States somewhere theorising about catfish and how Back in the day, cod used to be transported from Alaska to China and when it got to China, it was all mushy and gross. So someone had the idea of putting a catfish in with the cod to keep them on their toes, keep them agile, keep them thinking so they wouldn't, like, go weak and blah by the time they got to China. And then that's where the term catfish came from. For some reason that makes less sense to me than sticking a hand down a catfish throat. (laughs) I'm going to go with your version. Mm, I don't know. But that came from the movies, so I don't... Yeah, it seems a little Well, the movie flimsy. is gospel here. Let's go with yes. the Docker version. As far as the phrasing goes, like it makes more sense to me what Shelley had said, but in terms of lifestyle choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a big thing, especially now that dating has moved online. It's much easier to do, mm. even even just like Facebook friend requests and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about this because there's really no safeguards for people of whom are really putting themselves out there as they start dating. And Sid, I think it was you that mentioned to me earlier today, just talking about, because when someone starts talking about catfishing, everyone wants to talk about catfishing. Oh, yeah. But I think it was you that said to me, Sid, that most of the the forgery that takes place online is through catfishing, like romantic entanglements. Yeah. So last year in May, the ACCC released a report about online fraud and how it affects Australia. And like $340 million was defrauded from Australians through cybercrime. And 20 million of that was through romantic sort of like fraud online. So basically people being catfished and that kind of thing. Mm. And I mean, this is only one sort of one sort of little bit of the catfish pie because not everyone's doing it for financial gain. A lot of people are, but then for some people, it's often sparked by the fact that they're lonely or, or that they want a, a little bit of escapism and that kind of thing. Like Casey Donovan famously was in a relationship for six years with a person called Campbell, a man who turned out to be a lesbian called Olga. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, but it's just this thing where I guess people of whom are seeking romance really are putting themselves out there in a fairly emotional way Mm. and they're clearly looking for something to fill a void within their lives and so I think it's really quite easy to prey on them because they're more vulnerable. Yeah, there's a a professor of psychology at the University of Queensland who's doing a study and they've got 27 participants from all around the world who have catfished people in the past and they're talking to them about their motivations and about 41% of those respondents said they did it because in some way they were lonely. Wow. So it's not just for fraud or that kind of thing, mm. but you, you definitely do have to be on your toes. Either way, it is deceptive and it's dangerous. Yeah. And there's all sorts of reasons why someone might catfish somebody else. I mean, there is possible financial gain. 
Sometimes mm. there's psychological games being played, but sometimes the people of whom are catfishing themselves are lacking something in their own lives or feel the need to be able to connect to something that they can't otherwise. So it's kind of like role-playing to a certain degree. It is, it is. It can be wish fulfillment. And it could even be something as banal as just being a troll sometimes. Sometimes it's not a deeper motivation there. I don't know. I've never been catfished. I don't mm. know about you guys, but... Not yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, there's also the kind of third element here, which is the way Talia did it in this episode, which was for sort of like espionage and geopolitical reasons where they needed to capture a captain of the Union Navy. Mm. And so that kind of thing happens all the time. I mean, we'd all be familiar with the quote-unquote honeypot sort of myth in spy fiction, that kind of thing, Mm. like the sexy agent who comes to entrap one of your agents and that kind of thing. Yeah. There's that sort of saying on the internet that people don't necessarily know that you're a dog on the internet. (laughs) No, but, you know, you don't actually... Like an actual dog? (laughs) Well, there's the, I think, New Yorker cartoon where it's like a dog. But you don't actually know who you're talking to. It really could be anyone sort of on the other line of the connection. And I was thinking about the way that this connects to online dating profiles where really anyone can set up a profile and depending what site or platform you're using, sometimes there's certain levels of identification that's needed when you're setting up your profiles. Mm. But usually people are just logging in with the name and sometimes like a Facebook account or something. There's no real way to really sort of trust that the person you're talking to is that person. And I think that unless the internet starts moving to a point where identification is really a predominant part of things, and I think about people's like smart devices now, a lot of them require face unlocks and fingerprint IDs. So I could easily see a situation where dating sites do require like real name identification mm. to yeah. be part of it. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, biometric and, hacking is a thing as well. Well, I mean, that's also a fair point. Yeah, like people can steal your fingerprints because they're all on a server somewhere. Yeah, and they can steal your face. And they we have seen the movie yeah. where they take your face off. <gasps> face off. <laughs> Chills. Can we start a podcast on that? <laughs> face Just off land. face off. <laughs> I, look, I'm there. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Count you, me in. Great film. Yeah. I don't know about this face off podcast, but also about the internet <laughs> and data security in general. I feel like people are generally pretty illiterate with their, you know, cybersecurity. Mm. It's just not something most of us give a lot of time to. No. We do like to wrap each podcast with a discussion of our moments of the week. Sid Sharma, let's kick it over to you. What moment this week really stood out? I'd say it's uh, probably when Talia in her krill form starts giving Ed relationship advice when they're shot down on that weird planet. And she says he's painfully inattentive, which is exactly the criticism that Kelly Grayson had of him in their marriage. He just like kind of silos himself into work and that's all he does. And I thought there was, there was some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the crash landing on the planet, I have to say the effect scenes where they crashed on the planet, really cool. Yeah, the ship did a tumble and everything. Yeah. Shelley, what was your moment of the week? I think just like last week, it was the kind of the outro scene that we had where Ed handed Talia a little uh, MP4 or little player USB filled with Billy Joel hits. And as she left the ship, it played out with, she's always a woman to me. And just the lyrics were spot on. That's pretty perfect. They worked so yeah. well. Was it, she can kill with a smile. I'm not going to sing it on the podcast here. Maybe um, you can go home and listen at your leisure. But uh, it's perfect, so it fit nicely. Shelly Joel? Nice. Shelly Joel. <laughs> the difficulty is I can't follow up Billy Joel with anything that's going to be meeting that to the level of Joelness. But the moment that I really liked this week was... And it wasn't really so much that I liked it. It was really just leaving me with a question. 
Uh, so Tyler tells Ed that he needs to lie on his side because he snores. And I'm thinking, like, this is far off in the future. Have we not solved snoring as a problem yet? Yeah. <laughs> maybe mm. meant smaller sleep apnea machines. Maybe, like, an implant or something like that. Because yeah. how do you solve it now? Is it possible to solve it currently? Oh, well, I mean, if you watch late night TV, there's often solutions. Oh, yes. Okay. No don't good. sleep. Don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. That's our suggestion from all of us at Orville Land. Don't, don't sleep. sleep. Yeah. Guys, let's get out of here. Shelly Peacock, where do people find you around on the internet if they want to give you great feedback about your Billy Joel songs? Yes, I would love some feedback. It's uh, Instagram. At, at Shelly Joel. At Shelly Joel, greatest hits, playing Madison Square Garden. That's a long handle. It is a long one. No, it's uh, Instagram at underscore hellbells underscore. That's a Z in there as well. Hellbells. <laughs> that could not be less confusing. <laughs> Sid, how about yourself? Well, you can catfish me on Instagram at uh, Amraz, A-M-R-A-H-S, which is my name backwards, also my magician name. And people can find me at the Dan Barrett. If you are talking about the Orville Land podcast around the place, not necessarily just talking to us, but, you know, amongst your friends, your peers, uh, your work colleagues, the people that you're catfishing, mm-hmm. uh, use the hashtag Orville Land because it helps other people find the show and the podcast and the conversation surrounding it. But we do like people to find the podcast. So if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever your platform of choice is, log back onto that there platform and leave a little review or a star or just some sort of sign telling the world, hey, look, you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks in advance. Yeah, big thanks. Mm. Folks, this has been Orville Land. Very big thanks to Sid Sharma. Thank you. Thank you. Shelley Peacock. Bye. And as always, audio mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something and to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity and employee satisfaction. Make your organisation a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au.